There are so many people out there right now that are on dialysis that are literally dying, waiting for a kidney. And if uh, you can help somebody out by doing that, you're healthy and you have the time and the, the uh, altruistic heart in you to do that. <laughs> this is one of the greatest gifts you could give anybody. And if uh, anybody's out there that uh, is thinking about whether they should get a kidney transplant or not, uh, this is such a fantastic alternative to dialysis. My experience versus my father's experience is, you know, two different worlds. You know, he might have been really strong and handled dialysis, but uh, when I think that his life ended so early because he didn't get a transplant, and uh, knowing that my life now, it doesn't seem to have an end date to me. You know, mm-hmm. I know I. I might be here for much longer than I anticipated. It, I can't say enough. It's, it's something that uh, being a recipient means everything. Welcome back to Donor Diaries. This is your host, Lori Lee. So this is a big episode for Donor Diaries as it's our season closer and it marks a full year of podcasting complete with 12 episodes. So first, I want to take the opportunity to thank you, my listeners, for tuning in and for keeping the conversation going offline. Please keep the conversation going. Lives depend on it. Over 100,000 people are out there right now waiting for a life-saving kidney transplant. At least 13 people die a day waiting for one that they never get. Plain and simple, living donation solves this problem. This is a solvable problem. We have had over a dozen living donors on Donor Diaries this season, and they're all living proof that someone who donates a kidney goes on to live a totally normal and healthy life and has the same life expectancy of somebody with two kidneys. You don't have to wait until you die to donate a kidney. You can do it now and see the ripple effect of your donation while you're still alive. It's an amazing thing. If you had the power to save a life or multiple lives, would you? Let's rewind and check out some of our highlights from season one. Wrapping that around your head that you're asking another human being to give their you a body part is just, I think, really, really difficult. But once you get past that, then you realize that this is the best course for you. Thousands of kidney patients in the United States start dialysis without first being told about kidney transplants or that the procedure would be cheaper and lead to longer lives. The newspaper reviewed records from the United States renal data system and they found that some patients spent five years on dialysis before being put on the kidney transplant list. As I tell individuals in need, your donor is out there. They're just not aware of your situation yet. And that's your goal, is to make them aware that you're in need. Because we do have good people uh, that want to help, but can only do so if they hear the individual story. There is a sense of gratitude that suffuses donors that I've talked to that is, again, somewhat inexplicable to me, but it is the good feeling you get from helping 
others. And maybe it's proportional to the degree of help that you give that this sense of gratitude has stayed with me for more than five years and I expect it to be with me the rest of my life. I just spoke for the American Society of Nephrology conference and in the title of the panel that I was on is Transplant 2030. You know, we're looking ahead, you know, what what is transplant care going to look like in 2030? What's it going to look like in 2040, 2050? I mean, ideally in the future, we wouldn't need to have specialized programs like this because it would be sort of embedded in um, our society, in our healthcare system. Um, you know, there would be changes in social determinants of health such that these barriers don't exist anymore. And then luckily after the transplant, my donor sent me this beautiful card about her own journey to wholeness, she called it. It's actually going to make me teary. Um, that she herself had felt this move toward wholeness by donating her kidney to me. And it was such a blessing that she gave me to make me feel um, a little less guilty or indebted because of this organ that she had given me. Except that uh, the human organs are already commodified. If uh, you were in an operating room waiting for an organ and it's delivered to you, it's not provided free. It has a, a stiff price tag on it that reflects all of the work that various people have done to uh, produce that organ. And that is rightly so. Only the donor is uh, not compensated. Everybody else involved in producing the organ is compensated. And uh, if we could just have the government offer kidney donors uh, something like $80,000, then all that would end and we would be saving over 40,000 people a year. And of course, that's an enormous thing. Before 1972, people were paid to donate blood and giving blood was not normal. Now it's common. We need to make kidney donation ordinary. We need to stop labeling donors as heroes and normalize that helping others is part of our job here on Earth. And she's got my freckles, which is with some transplants, you can get some features. Um, hair color change is common. Eye color change is rare. Um, but she got some of my freckles. She never had any freckles and I am covered in freckles. And now she's got some on her <laughs> does, cheeks. Does she like her freckles? She loves them. She loves them a lot more than I love mine. <laughs> and um, do you consider those your freckles on her face? No, um, they're hers. They're her sun kisses. If you listen to episode one, How Do You Ask Somebody for a Kidney, you might remember a story about Jana and Mary. Jana had a hereditary kidney disease called polycystic kidney disease and was in need of a living kidney donor. Her energy levels were super low at the time, and she knew if she didn't get a transplant soon that she'd need to go on dialysis, which she really wanted to avoid. And then there was Mary. Mary and Jana had been friends for over two decades, and Mary always knew that one day her friend Jana may need a kidney transplant. After watching her friend Jana's health decline, Mary wanted to help. She learned more about living kidney donation and kind of had an aha moment of, well, why shouldn't I donate a kidney? Mary was approved to donate and even was a match for Jana. We left off with them a few weeks before their big surgery day. Let's check in to see how they're doing today. First problem I had was uh, simply adjusting to the drugs. Uh, so I had a really hard time the first two weeks I, you know, I didn't feel all that great at all because 
uh, I just wasn't uh, handling uh, some of the anti-rejection drugs were really hard on my system. Mm -hmm. um, but after that first two weeks, I was working at home. Uh, I was, you know, doing a full schedule. And uh, within a month, I was back at the office. I couldn't wait to get back out and about. So uh, yeah, once uh, the drugs got uh, leveled <laughs> off a little bit, I was like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, you're on a lot of drugs right after the transplant. I mean, how many pills do you think you were taking today a day? Uh, at that point, I was at about, uh, I think I counted 18 pills yeah. a day. Uh, I'm down to 15. So <laughs> there you go. Progress. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it does take a long time for, uh, to adjust to those anti-rejection drugs. Uh, so I'm still, you know, seven months out, still having a few issues. Uh, but now I recognize what the problems are and it's much easier for me to communicate issues with the team. Good. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Mary, what were, what were the few weeks after like for you? They weren't that bad, actually. I have to say, overall, the whole experience was um, pretty uneventful. I remembered what everybody was saying, talking about moving as much as you can. So I was uh, walking up and down the hallway here. And I think the day after I got home, I actually went outside because it was nice out. Every day was trying to do a little more than the day before. Yeah. Moving's key. What was the hardest part out of the whole donation for you? Going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Allowing my body to heal. I'm usually up and running around quite a bit. So you just have to accept that it's going to take your body time to heal and yeah. give yourself that time. And Being then, patient with yourself. Yes. Just be patient with yourself. But I was in the past and it's over and done with, and I'm so happy that she's done so well. It's nice to have my friend back. Jonna, what was the best part of this experience for you? Honestly, Mary and I have gotten so close. You know, I feel like I'm always, I am literally carrying a part of her with me every day. Mm -hmm. And I'll always tell her things like, oh, the bean misses you when she was on vacation. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, we check up on each other all the time now. And uh, I think that, you know, the bond that we have now is probably as special as just the gift that she gave me. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to think that, you know, somebody could do this for you. And, you know, as surreal as it may seem, you know, like I don't actually feel the kidney, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I know it's working. And, uh, you know, just knowing that she did this for me, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to repay that or forget that. And she will always just be a huge part of my life. And I, I'm actually grateful that we have this bond now. Me too. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Mary? That was a lot. I know I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been friends a long time. I feel like we've always had a strong bond together. And I think it has gotten stronger even more so. So yeah. I'm so glad it worked out that way for you. Jonna, did you have any major surprises that you'd wish you'd been better prepared for along the way? You know, again, it was my own expectations of uh, thinking that I was superwoman. Mm -hmm. uh, and the surprises were the, you know, that it does take a while 
for no, it didn't for everybody, but some people have a harder time adjusting to the anti-rejection drugs than others. And for me, there's been a lot of up and downs, you know, my blood tests are my, you know, I had taken a lot of them and to see the levels going up and down, up and down like a roller coaster, you know, just, it's not as a, it doesn't feel like a setback, but it can be a little bit frustrating to get everything where you're feeling great a hundred percent of the time. Um, I just recently stopped doing the roller coastering on uh, the one level of drug, and uh, it's really made a huge difference. Uh, that's where I, that's why probably why you see me so with a lot more pep in my step. Because, <laughs> uh, it you know these are really heavy duty drugs, yeah. And to get those levels right, it does take a while. So it's helped me. This whole process has taught me patience. And uh, once I you know gotten that. You know, that's made things a little bit more zen for me, you know, to just calm down, slow down. Uh, you know, you went through all this, you know, this beats dialysis any day. So, yeah. And you did avoid dialysis. Yes, I did. You did. Mary, what was the best part of this experience for you? Getting my friend back. Mary, do you have any closing thoughts or things that you want our audience to know about transplant or living donation? I think that if you're thinking about it, that I would do your research and know that I can share my personal experience, that it was very uneventful. And uh, it was really an incredible experience to be able to know that I helped my friend and hopefully prolonged her life. And mm. it's, it's a gift that I would do in a heartbeat again. And Jana, what about you? Any closing thoughts, things you want the audience to know? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, there are so many people out there right now that are on dialysis, that are literally dying, waiting for a kidney. Uh, and if uh, you can help somebody out by doing that, you're healthy and you have the time and the, the uh, altruistic heart in you to do that. This is uh, one of the greatest gifts you could give anybody. And if uh, anybody's out there that uh, is thinking about whether they should get a kidney transplant or not, this is such a fantastic alternative to dialysis. My experience versus my father's experience is, you know, two different worlds. You know, he might've been really strong and handled dialysis, but uh, when I think that his life ended so early because he didn't get a transplant and uh, knowing that my life now, it doesn't seem to have an end date to me. You know, mm -hmm. I know I can, I might be here for much longer than I anticipated. It, I can't say enough. You know, it's, it's something that uh, being a recipient means everything. And so if you can donate. I mean, this is about the best you can hope for when you start a story the way that we yeah. did. And I'm, I'm so happy for you both. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for sharing your story so freely. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It's an important topic. The other people we have to catch up with today are our one kidney climbers. In episode 10, we spoke with my friends, Bobby, Tracy, Patty, and Steve, members of Kidney Donor Athletes or KDA. These guys, along with 18 other living kidney donors, were getting ready to summit Mount Kilimanjaro on World Kidney Day. 
KDA was using this claim to bring awareness to living donation and to demonstrate what's possible post-donation, and also to launch initiatives which inspire, support, and educate people about the experience of living donation. These athletes are living proof that you can still live a full and active life post-donation. You don't need to give away your own personal strength or vitality when you donate a kidney. I'm so proud to be able to share that this mission was a huge success and that their story was and still is being shared all over the world. Mission accomplished. Amazingly, 20 of the 22 donors made it to the summit. Let's get an update from Patty Graham, the yoga girl that was healthy but wasn't much of a hiker. The conversations were so meaningful and deep at times and then completely inappropriate, ridiculous, and silly at others. I mean, I don't want to brag, but we may have set a world record for the most that's what she said jokes. (laughs) And the connections I made on the mountain with the other donors totally shadows the experience of reaching the summit. When I got to the top, I was like, yeah, this is cool. But where are my pals to walk down the mountain with? And that's what she said. Now let's hear from Bobby to hear his perspective and to get a report on the impact his team made with their African adventure. As you know, some members of the kidney donor athletes community recently returned from a trip to Tanzania to show what is possible post-donation. What a great experience on so many levels. Individual hurdles were overcome. Some wonderful community building took place and a nationwide collection of media stories of all types helped to deliver the message of what is possible after kidney donation. Our stories have been published or broadcast over 70 times in various media markets with total media impressions over 30 million. Just imagine the ripple effect that can have. And it doesn't have to be about kidney donation either. People all around the world can see that they too can do good things in this world, creating their own ripple effects. For me, this was a vision for this great opportunity. Did we have all the answers before we started? Not a chance. But there was no way that was going to be an obstacle to make this beautiful ripple. Commit, then figure it out. That was the mindset I kept throughout and since returning, have seen that statement pop up all around me. The latest is by the already legendary documentary producer, Jimmy Chin, with his amazing pieces, which too have impacted so many lives around the world. He has that mindset, commit, then figure it out. I totally love that. My niece has a favorite quote from Mary Oliver, and I'll leave you with this. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Well, thank you for listening to our first season of Donor Diaries. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you found some moments of inspiration. And I hope that you know so much more about living kidney donation than you did a year ago. I know I do. I'd like to give a huge shout out to all of my guests this season. Jonna, Mary, Doug, Harvey, Ned, Terry, Cody, Steve, Dad, Danae, Carol, Betsy, Frank, Bobby, Tracy, Patty, and Jeremy. Thank you guys so much for being free with your stories and with your time to make this podcast possible. I really feel so lucky to have had the opportunity to interview every single one of you. 
And the biggest, hugest, most enormous thanks I have goes to my producer and husband, Rob Lee. This guy has listened to me talk about kidneys nonstop for the better half of our marriage, and he still manages to do that with a smile and an open heart every single time. Thank you, Rob. Thanks to to my other producer, who's my brother-in-law, Jeff Lee. He's also the guy that makes you feel the sunshine in the Donor Diaries theme song. He's the guy that told me to commit and figure it out, and that was excellent advice. Last but not least, thanks to Donald Griswold with Maytree River Productions. Donald inspired the concept of Donor Diaries as a way to support our film Crowdsource for Life, which I'm excited to share more about in Season 2. I'm checking out for the summer to put season two together, and I'll be back at the end of summer. If you've enjoyed Donor Diaries, please like, rate, and subscribe so that you get pinged when we start releasing more episodes. This also helps us build our audience, which in turn helps us spread awareness. Are you interested in learning more about Living Donation? Visit the National Kidney Donation Organization at nkdo.org to learn more or sign up. Want to donate your organs at death? Visit organdonor.gov to join the National Registry and make sure to tell your family your wishes. This is Lori Lee. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>